conference is now being recorded. Good afternoon. It is Friday, February 12th. This is Chicky Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group, and it is my pleasure to introduce our very, very special guest uh, joining us, uh, the furthest away from any guest we have ever had on the Executive Girlfriends Group. Uh, Heather is living in Buenos Aires. Heather Doherty, welcome. Thank you. And let's see, I'm not seeing a presentation. Okay. I will get right back to it because okay. I jumped off. There we go. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I had to laugh that we've been having this problem with the clicking of our, our uh, conference call service. And uh, it is actually very, very humorous that the title of your presentation is Clicks Speak Louder Click. Than Words. <laughs> yes. And, and Heather is with uh, Hitwise. And, and I hadn't actually realized until I interviewed uh, Bill Tanzer on on uh, our social mediapolis radio show on Blog Talk Radio, that Experian had actually acquired you. And then when I went to do the research, I felt really embarrassed because it was actually 2006, I think. But you guys just recently changed the branding, <laughs> right? Yes, yes, that is true. And actually, I'm not seeing the presentation, but I'll just run off my PowerPoint. Hello. So, hopefully, it will be the same. Can, every, can yes, everybody that's a, else see it? Can you guys see a slide that says click speak louder than words? Yes. 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 Thank yes. you. I see it. Okay, cool. Maybe okay. if you just refresh your screen there. Anyway, yeah. we'll yeah. work through uh, our, our technical challenges. Yeah. Fortunately, I have the PowerPoint, and so... Okay, well, great. Yeah, me, I will reload, Well, let's do the quick word about you, because I know everybody yeah. is dying to hear why we're living <laughs> in Buenos Aires. I mean, we're all jealous, but except for you said it's over 90 <laughs> degrees today, and it's actually quite hot. Yes, yes, it is quite hot. So, yeah, so quickly about me. Um, yeah, so I have been living in uh, Buenos Aires for the past two months, Um I'm supposed to return in about two weeks, although I'm pleading, making pleas to uh, to stay for longer. And um, really the reason um, I came down here, and I'm very lucky, is that I was here last year on vacation and just really, really loved it. And so I really wanted to come down and spend more time. And so fortunately, doing uh, everything online made it... Um, uh, you know, a workable solution that I could work remote um, from Argentina. And so uh, my days are spent, I go to Spanish school in the morning, and fortunately uh, it's two hours um, ahead here. And so I'm able to go to school in the morning and then come back and work during the afternoons. And so um, <clears throat> I have been doing that for the past couple of months. And you know, with Argentina, there are lots of uh, really good things about this country, clearly. Um, the people. Red wine, and, <laughs> and actually, not just red wine, white wine. Um, really? I've recently, um, Salta is also wine country, and they have a lot of really nice white wines. So to the north of it, um, they're actually really well known for some different white wines. And I've only been to Mendoza um, because as a uh, red wine aficionado, I was uh, quite excited to try as many Malbecs as possible. And oh, so, yeah. Um, but now, yeah, I've learned, you know, Salta also has a lot of nice white wines. Um, meat is clearly, the carne is um, 
the main staple of food here. And I have a good friend who's also from the States who's living down here as well. And she is a vegetarian. And let me tell you, it is challenging, um, to put it mildly, for her because um, when she says, oh, I don't eat carne, they put ham on everything because they don't consider that meat. (laughs) (laughs) So she has to specifically say, no carne, no jamon, no chicken, (laughs) and go through an entire (laughs) list. And so it's actually... um, um, it's more humorous for me than her, I'm sure, because all, her food always shows up with ham. And so I've actually learned now um, for her to say, please, no ham and no nothing and remind her to go through the whole list. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, love, I love how you use your your backdrop of, of wise and statistics to yeah. uh, <laughs> show about your uh, your place where you're living. Exactly. So to the right there is um, one of our reports that is a search term variation report um, for Buenos Aires and Argentina. And so what this is showing us is the different variations of searches that include Argentina. And so you can see at the end of the summer um, in 2010 or 2009 last year, as well as in the fall, you could see that there was a spike taking place. And so um, tourism is way up here, and um, about 10% of the tourists um, right now are from the United States. And so um, it, you know, it's, it's always good when you see the data align with um, other facts that we know. And so um, it's been a very, very popular place for people to come visit. Um, it's very affordable. The conversion rates are pretty remarkable. So it's a nice, affordable trip. Um, the only thing that's changed recently is in December, because when um, people from Argentina travel to the United States, they need a visa, and so Argentina has since instituted a fee for um, American citizens to enter the country that's the same exact fee as the visa, so I think it's about $135. Um, so I'm surprised not, um, that there weren't more spikes um, for that, so I'm not sure uh, how widely known that right. is, because uh, it happened right around Christmas. I was lucky enough to miss that one, but um, it's good for 10 years, so it Heather, shouldn't be too much more. Those people who aren't familiar with Hitwise, your your base of research is is it primarily North American users of the internet, or is it global? And well, so I primarily, and all the data that I have today is um, U.S.-based, but this year we launched in, the U- in Canada, and so we also have data for the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, Singapore. We've recently launched in Brazil, and um, just this week we also launched in France, and so we have a global data as well. And so what I'm going to talk you through is all U.S.-based data, but we do have data in other markets. So if anyone is interested in data, you know, on uh, folks in the U.K. or Australia, um, we have um, data on all the different marketplaces. And so basically, whenever we enter a market, um, what we do is we um, obtain data from two different sources. One is partnerships through ISPs, and then the other is partnerships with research companies, um, survey companies, folks like that, um, to capture data. And we only 
will launch in a marketplace when we have significant coverage for that market. So, for example, in the United States, our sample includes 10 million uh, visitors in the, or 10 million Internet users in the United States. And it's obviously one of the larger markets. Um, but worldwide, we measure over 25 million people. And so that is a that is a good segue into the next slide. And so at Hitwise, we look at the world a little bit differently um, than maybe um, some folks, if you're not familiar with our data, might be used to. Um, if you're used to unique visitor numbers or absolute numbers, the way we report everything is in relative terms. And so what you're looking at here is the top online activities in January 2010. And so if you think of all of the activity or all of the visits as one pie, and so that's why I like to um, present this as a pie chart. And so the different categories are slices of the pie. And so you can see that 13% of all U.S. Internet visits in January 2010 were to websites in the social networking and forums category. And so that one has become the largest category in terms of uh, visitation in the U.S. And then you've got entertainment and search engines. And with entertainment, much of that is YouTube. And so a lot of that is where the video um, viewership lies. And then search engines, clearly it's going to be the Googles, Yahoo's, and Bing's of the world. Business and finance includes yellow pages and um, mapping to a certain extent. And then also um, shopping and classified. So shopping and classified was 8% of all visits right. in the U.S and then email, and then I also included travel, um, which was 2% of all of the visits in January I'm 2000. I'm astounded by that. Is it, it, I, I didn't <laughs> expect it, and I've been, I thought I had been really, really close to this. Is that uh, declining from what it's been over, over the last 10 years, or is that, um, is that right where it's been? Um, it, yeah, it's because. Partially now, is, this is going to be because it's relative to others. And so the travel category is always going to be dwarfed by, you know, let's say Google, um, right. for instance, uh, search engines. And so travel, um, you know, it, it clearly increases um, in the summer months for the most part in the U.S. Um, we'll see it bump up a bit, but well, it's but always going to be about that. Yeah, it's always going to be about that much of the pie um, just because of the way that we measure the world in terms of the relative, um, you know, in relative terms. It's basically that the share um, turns out that way. But 2% by no means is really um, small. It's clearly a very large category, and certainly when you think about the dollars involved in terms of booking and then also right. advertising, travel is a major category. And when you look at search, for example, when we look at what categories are really, really important for search, um, travel is a huge, huge one. Uh, travel websites get loads and loads of traffic from search. It's in the 40% range typically, and so it's a very large category for search as well as shopping. And so whenever you have these transaction-oriented types of categories, they're more important for search and, um, and things right. like that. It's just once you break these things down, um, it, it tends to look small, but it's actually, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not small at all. Right. Very, very interesting. And, and the next slide uh, is the one that uh, when I interviewed Bill on Monday um, just mm -hmm. blew me away. And uh, for yes. those of you who have not been, uh, you know, active in 
social media and social networking and user-generated content uh, and just have been playing with it just to get comfortable personally, um, this chart should uh, absolutely wake everyone up. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. And this is a chart that actually is one that I would say is a good one to take into management if you need to um, because it's very simple. They can understand it in two seconds that social networking is now bigger than search. And so, you know, most people would not question the investment in search at this point because it's clearly very important. But it's also, uh, you know, clearly very important to look at the fact that social networking has become such a popular activity. Now, by no means does that mean it's easy to figure out what to do with social networking, but it really highlights the fact that it's something that's very difficult to ignore. And when you look at just January 2010 compared to 2009, the visits to the category has increased 53%. Search, 10%. It's still growing um, because more and more people use search to navigate. Um, you see lots of branded terms being used. Um, but it's you just see that social networking has really become such an important channel. And it's really interesting as, um, to look at because as more and more people are posting um, content and their networks and they're becoming more and more accustomed to using Facebook and Twitter for everything, it really becomes this uh, very powerful referral service. And so it's definitely something that the search engines are watching very, very closely and that's why you know, everyone has started um, Offering all the search engines have started offering live feeds of you know, tweets and things like that because it can actually mitigate search at, at times because people are getting so much information from their social networks that it may actually alleviate the need for um, to use search. Uh, one of my colleagues just did a blog post about. Um, Facebook actually becoming more and more of a newsreader. And so whereas RSS was the hot, um, hot way to distribute content a few years ago, it's actually shifting more and more towards social networks uh, for Facebook, for Twitter, where uh, people are sharing content or content providers are pushing out content. And so that is actually you know, instead of going to Google News, you don't need to go to, um, you know, search for news. You can actually just get all that through your Twitter account or Facebook. And so it's definitely something that, you know, the search engines are um, do have some concern for because, you know, oh, it's obviously yeah. their, their bread and butter. <laughs> well, definitely. And, and actually, that was the other statistic, and I don't think you have it in your presentation, but when Bill was uh, talking on Monday uh, on Social Mediopolis, um, he was telling me that, uh, actually, Facebook has surpassed Google News in the reading mm -hmm. of news online, and and uh, I don't know if you have those those numbers, but it but it you know again that's another really really important mm -hmm. trend. And and when you look at the the steepness of the curve here, it's not just that it surpassed it. It's <laughs> no, it, it's like it's, you've got this this yeah. flat line, uh, you know, pretty much on search. And and granted, people are still spending money on search engine optimization, mm -hmm. you know, SEO and SEM. But uh, today, and I don't think I brought it upstairs. Um, Google sent. I don't know if anybody else got this. Google sent me a Valentine's card, giving me a hundred dollars free, in uh, mm -hmm. you know, to use in AdWords uh, on my account. 
And, you know, I thought, wait a minute, you know, they must really, really need me, you know, to go back and focus on that. Because I think what this tells us is that people are shifting their eyes toward uh, the social aspects of marketing and then also, you know, hopefully turning an eye, uh, at least we're hoping at Solutions, uh, that they're turning an eye to social commerce because that's that's what we're banking on moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, and so what's the 135% sorry, I, there? Yep. So the, the little chart is just looking um, only at Facebook um, within the social networking and forums wow. category. And what's really impressive is just straight up. And their year-over-year growth, um, January 2010 compared to uh, 2009, 135%. And so they represent nearly half of all the visits to the social networking category. And so so it's really taken off. (laughs) What do you say, Heather, to those people who say, well, you know, I really just use Facebook to connect to my college buddies. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how people can say that when they're looking at this kind of growth and not figuring out how uh, to leverage it in a different way, whether it's building your own personal brand and your your own expertise or using it to actually figure out a way to promote your company. Yeah, and actually um, moving on to the next slide, I think that that's a really good point because I think that there's something very interesting kind of happening in the background with Facebook. And this is something that I feel – is really, really important, and it's Facebook Connect, because when you look at their weekly growth, you can see that, you know, for many months, it was kind of, you know, it was growing, but somewhat of a flat line, Um, and then in July 2008, they launched the beta of Facebook Connect. Then in December of 2008, Facebook Connect opened to all developers, and suddenly, lots and lots of content players started partnering with Facebook Connect, and it made it very easy for you to simply use your Facebook account to make comments on news sites, share articles, start posting information. And what's really, um, really key about this is that it's this portable identity that goes with you everywhere because no longer do you have to remember 80,000 passwords that you've created or right. were assigned to you for all these different websites. You have one identity and you can move around. You can easily share with your friends. And so I really believe that Facebook Connect has just truly been such a big catalyst and driver of growth for Facebook because it's just made uh, everything so much more simple. And so I think what's very interesting and uh, could be very telling is the potential for the virtual wallet, which is something that I can't tell you how many versions I've seen of the virtual wallet in the past 12 years. And so it's something that I think we're moving towards the comfort zone finally. You know, people are accustomed to buying online. They're fine with storing information. And so we're really seeing... You know, there's an interesting privacy sort of um, issue going on where people are happy to share loads of information and they're still happy to buy things online. But, you know, there's always that fine line. But I think we're finally getting we're finally getting to a place where it's actually accepted. And so Facebook Connect could end up being that catalyst for the virtual wallet and because it's such a trusted place for people to house information. 
the interesting thing, Heather, about that is, you know, if you take a look at how PayPal came out of nowhere and, you know, mm-hmm. once eBay purchased them and, and linked into, yep. you know, that community of buying, which was really mm-hmm. one of the first really successful yep. communities. Um, mm-hmm. And then you take a look. I mean, I'm a little frustrated with Facebook Connect personally because I was an early adopter of social media. And so I had already embedded myself uh, with using my Gmail account to log on uh, to everything. And so now, I, you know, it's, it's really, really mm-hmm. tough to undo how you've registered everywhere. And, and yeah. the, the only flaw in Facebook Connect is if you don't do it when you first come in, uh, it's really hard to say, no, no, now I'd like for that to be uh, where I want to go. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if Facebook emerges, uh, you know, who knows, maybe they, they, they buy eBay and, and get PayPal or, or maybe there's <laughs> somebody else lurking out there that has, has great payment and settlement technology mm-hmm. that, you know, allows people to still use the things that they want to use, but to use them more safely, which is essentially what PayPal mm-hmm. has allowed us to do. Mm-hmm. Very, very Yeah, or even an Amazon. Right. Um, you know, Amazon also has another very trusted payment system that started with their own website and then has moved on to, you know, as a wallet for multiple. And so, you know, it's always one of those things that, you know, we like to pontificate about <laughs> in right. the research world. But, you know, when you think about, a Facebook and an eBay or a Facebook and an Amazon, it's um, there could be very compelling um, uh, utilities for consumers. And it's always, you know, it's very much how Google came to be Google today is that they made things very simple and very clean and thus people like it. And so that's why they keep using it. And, you know, everyone's trying to unseat, Bing is trying to unseat them. Yahoo, and so it's it's always an interesting sort of power struggle, but um, it'll be interesting to see how this moves forward. Cause certainly, Facebook is trying to do a lot with this. Google is trying to right. do a lot with this. They launched Buzz this week, and so you know it's their their kind of uh, answer to Twitter. And so you know, is that going to be you know, and it could be something that moves into more social social media type of activities, certainly because. Um, you already have your friends within Gmail. You know, as soon as I logged into Gmail, I already, as soon as Buzz was available to me, I already had friends because it just automatically started linking me to people right. within my Gmail account. And so it'll definitely be interesting to see how that kind of plays out moving forward. Exactly. Well, talk to us a little bit, Heather. I know one of the other keys uh, within the HitWise approach is looking at the upstream and downstream traffic mix. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, talk to us about what has changed in the way uh, that traffic is flowing between mm-hmm. search and social networking. What, where is it going from there? So if we um, looking at the next slide, and this is looking at December to a custom category of retailers. Um, during the holidays, we always um, do quite a bit of analysis on what's going on, you know, who's buying where. And so one of the most important uh, topics is where does traffic come from during the holiday season so that marketers can really maximize these tools. And so what we saw this year that was really interesting is that search continued to grow. It was up 8%, and it's also the largest share um, of any type of um, traffic driver with retail as if, um, as is the same in the travel world. Cross-shopping among other sites is also key. So it's typically search cross-shopping, 
And now we have, you know, and then email. But what we're seeing is that email is starting to decline and then also rewards and directories. And that's a category where um, websites that are typically considered affiliate websites live. And so that's where you have lots of partnerships like comparison shopping tools. So if you're in the retail world, it's the Shopzillas of the world. If you're in travel, it's the kayaks of the world. And we saw this decline. But what we did see is while social networking is not the biggest category, we saw this 35% increase year over year in terms of the amount of traffic that social networking was sending to retailers. And if we move on to the next slide, something that I think is really interesting, and this is a very common question that I get from clients and media is, you know, whenever you have a website that is so popular, um, MySpace is a good example before kind of they've declined clearly in popularity and now it's Facebook, but whenever you have this very, very popular site that people are going to constantly, you're always going to see this in the clickstream reports. And when we're looking at our clickstream reports, these are upstream and downstream. And the easiest way to think about this is before and after. So what website were they on before they came to your site? What website did they go to after your website? And so it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a link because clearly if someone goes from Travelocity to Orbit, Travelocity was not trying to send traffic to Orbit, right. but the consumer opted to go there. And so, you know, we know from pathing analysis how people tend to visit websites. And so, you know, we're always seeing that Facebook, and as it becomes a bigger site and more and more popular, it's always in everyone's click stream. And so... This slide looks at the upstream traffic to the Retail 500 during the holiday weeks from Facebook. And so you can see that there's this curve, and what's interesting is that there's a dip that takes place in December because you start seeing a lift from affiliate programs because people are typically looking for coupons and free shipping um, before any of the deadlines. Um, but if you go ahead and build, we did some, uh, build the slide, we did some custom analysis. And so what we did was look at internal searches that are taking place on Facebook. And what we found is that during the weeks of the holidays, there were a lot of internal searches taking place for retail brands. And Walmart was one of the most common uh, retailers being searched. And if you look at the Walmart fan page on Facebook, they were very active in terms of communicating promotions and exactly what they were doing with consumers or with their fans. And so those are potential customers. And so, you know, this strategy is something that worked very well for a lot of these retailers is having these fan pages where they were telling people about different promotions. And obviously that's going to show up in their stream if they have, you know, and Facebook's always changing their settings. And so now you have to, um, again, go in and say, yes, it's okay to put this. And so it's going to be amongst some clutter, which is always kind of a, a caveat to remember is that it's going to be amongst, you know, everything that your friends are saying that, oh, I'm snowed in. It's, you know, there's all the other messages. But it's very interesting to see that people are very, they're actively looking for brands. Um, on Facebook, on Twitter. And so, you know, I also, when I was looking through uh, for the retailer brands, I was seeing lots of travel brands as well. And so it's very interesting to see that people are actively looking for those because I think that that's definitely a distinct um, difference that is maybe a little bit unexpected that people are looking for the brands as opposed to 
Um, it just happens to be in the quick stream because it's so popular. But this right. is actually proof that people are, they, they do want content this content. And so, you know, if it's compelling content, Victoria's Secret is a really good example of this. They have done a lot around their pink brands. Um, now, it was a very good fit for them because pink is uh, very geared towards college students. And so um, with Facebook's kind of uh, origins with the college crowd, um, it made a lot of sense. But, you know, they give a lot of wallpapers and tools and, you know, different icons to add um, to pages, and so they make it very, very easy to be a fan and have a reason to go to their website or to their fan page. And so they've been one of the larger groups um, as far as Facebook is concerned. And so, you know, folks like Bath and Body Works, who is, you know, in general owned by the same company, um, so they became a lot more active during the holiday season, for example. And so, you know, you're seeing a lot of interesting brands here because some of them, I think, make a lot of sense Best Buy. You saw lots and lots of ads during the holiday season. Best Buy was integrating, you know, their 12th force um, with Twitter and highlighting that they're on Facebook. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl ads um, towards right. the end. But what I thought was really interesting is that some of the ads for the Super Bowl even had icons for Facebook um, within their ads. And so, yeah, you know, highlighting, oh, become a fan. And so... I think, you know, when you see so much of this taking place, it, uh, it really showcases um, what an important channel it's become. Absolutely. And if we yeah. move on and to I the next. Wanted to, yeah, I wanted to shift a little bit to travel here since we have so many travel people on the call today. And, and you have used the, the, the term channel uh, num mm -hmm. uh, numerous times uh, already. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's really important for people to be able to distinguish, you know, when it's just a brand building effort, which a lot of the early, I mean, much in the same way that we did brochureware back in the 90s uh, when the web first came out, and we didn't shift to commerce until five years into it, uh, you know, yep. in a ubiquitous way, you know, it has been a branding uh, channel mm -hmm. to date, and it hasn't so much been a commerce channel. But what you're showing us is that people have that propensity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely um, have that propensity. And what I think is a lot more is also very interesting is that they're willing to engage in dialogue. And so when you look at the fan pages, you actually see people posting to the retailers, to travel sites about their content. And so they're actually engaging with the companies or with marketers. And so I think that that's something very unique to social networking is that you know, it's very similar to reviews. Uh, everyone, oh, reviews are so great. You can actually see what people are saying. And right. so this is uh, sort of a uber extension of that where people are willing to talk about this. And so, you know, there's also kind of the darker side of this is when promotions go wrong, people are also very vocal about that as well. Um, the KFC chicken <laughs> issue right. there was loads and loads of posting about um that little you know that fiasco um there's various uh folks that have learned the hard way that free really attacks <laughs> attracts a lot of attention um but you know when you look at the twitter feeds for united airlines for example you know it's i think it's unique on both both sides that you see people asking them questions and the airline being happy to respond back and giving them information and trying to be very helpful. And so, 
it's really um, transparency that is helping to drive this, that your clients are, your customers are telling you what they want, what they like to hear, what they like about you. It's not always bad, you know, what they like about you and then what they don't like. And so I think it's a really, it's a, um, an interesting feedback tool that can help um, shape a lot of strategies that you, that you know what people like because, you know, we know that, you know, and I have data um, in the presentation about this, you know, when you look at the most, um, what are the top search terms in the travel category, so it's cheap, 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 which, yeah, that's great, people want cheap, um, but, you know, what else can we do, you know, as a travel marketer, what else can you do around that? And so knowing that if you are open and honest and transparent, that can help, and that can help with the brand building and, you know, the warm and fuzzy type of feeling. Right. Now, tell us about, because I think these numbers might be, or, or the, certainly the text is a little small, the chart on, on the left is about travel agencies and travel suppliers, correct? Yes, and so um, typically we're always looking at um, agencies and then the suppliers, and so the agencies being Travelocities of the World, Orbits, and the, the um, OTAs, and then suppliers, so looking at the airlines, hotels, car rentals. And so what I think has been really interesting to look at is that who is getting the most traffic from social networks. And what we're seeing right now is that travel suppliers are receiving nearly 5% of their traffic in January were from social networks. And so that's actually up 125% year over year. And while agencies is a little bit smaller with 3%, that's also up 75%. And so you can see that this is a growing channel. And exactly. so when we, it's a trend that can't, can't be ignored. These kinds of growth patterns mm-hmm. in, in a very, very mature market, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think is really significant. So the chart on the right is breaking down the supplier side to airlines, car rentals, accommodations, and cruises. Is that correct? Yep, exactly. Yep. And so when we look at the right side, it's the top uh, blue line is airlines and year over year up 157% in terms of the share of traffic that they're getting from social networks. So for airlines, 6%. And so when you look at someone like Southwest Airlines, they're very, very active in right. terms of both Facebook and Twitter. And so you're really seeing airlines embrace social networking as a um, as a way for last-minute travel, trying to sell, um, you know, unused inventory, distressed inventory, and so it's been um, very successful for them. We're also seeing cruises. They're actually second um, to the airlines or right behind the airlines in terms of capturing traffic from, from social networks, and so that's 5%, and that's up 75% year over year, and so... With cruises, it's actually pretty interesting because when I was looking at a downstream report from Facebook to see, okay, which cruise lines are getting the most from Facebook, it's all the major ones across the board. Cruises have definitely, the cruise lines have been very active in terms of both Facebook, Twitter, and so that, that one I think is pretty interesting. And so, you know, it's always surprising when you see um, other ones kind of lagging behind. And so we're seeing where car rentals and accommodations are much lower. It's growing. So it's not to say that, you know, it's not happening. They're growing as well, certainly, but it's, you know, they're less than half. 
Well, Heather, I'm curious um, as as to whether um, do, does Blog Talk Radio and and the other online radio programs fall into the social so, excuse me, excuse me say social network category? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, probably. Well, it depends how it's set up. I'm going to say no, but I will double check for you um, because we are always looking at. Um, it just depends on the way it's defined in terms of right. profiles, um, as you know, as far as how social networks have profiles right. um, within their own site. We did a series of radio shows for a major cruise line, and, and mm-hmm. in just six shows, we yielded nearly 10,000 unique hmm. visitors. Um, to listen to the show, and then you know, of course, uh, didn't didn't have a direct way to detect whether they went on to look at the cruise line site, but mm-hmm. it very definitely is something that we at, at Solutions uh, and Solutions Media, which is our group that focuses specifically on social media, uh, that we do lump that in because as part of our mm-hmm. social networking programs, we don't just do the uh, you know the more traditional social media, if you can even say traditional. In, in something that yeah. is as new as social media, but but blog talk radio and the ability to do radio or these kinds of shows, and and every one of our shows that we do on Egg gets actually posted to our blog talk radio account and then gets published up to iTunes. So it's very much a part of the social networking of what we're doing. So uh, I would encourage you guys to take a look at at those channels as not entertainment, uh, so much as as a uh, a way for companies uh, you know to network people, and and they're very very LinkedIn to Twitter and Facebook auto-postings and syndication of, of that content out. Okay, so let's move on to uh, the next slide. Yep, and so we won't spend loads and loads of time on this, but this is looking at visits to the travel agency and supplier websites. And so it's probably not a, you know, a huge surprise to a lot of folks that um, we're seeing visits um, down a bit. Um, the good news is, you know, when you look at it year over year, yes, down slightly. Um, but month over month, we're seeing that that sort of comeback um, starting to take place where we're seeing it rise. And so while agencies, for example, were down 24% um, from the previous January, suppliers down 32%, we're actually seeing where January um, from December back up a bit. And so... Well, Something and that actually I, up more than the normal seasonality, which which is actually yes. kind of the normalizing of yes. that data factor. Okay, yes, so let's exactly. talk about which kinds of users are are most mm-hmm. likely to visit. You've got some information here that's very interesting about the uh, affluent mm-hmm. user. Yes, yes. When we're um, looking at the household income of visitors to travel agencies and suppliers. What I think is really interesting is um, looking at the order <laughs> there, you see it go from the highest income down to um, the lowest brackets. And so while the largest segments are those that make um, between thirty to $100,000, um, those two segments, it's three and four in both of those, the ones that are most likely to visit travel sites, both on the agency and the supplier side, are the more affluent visitors. And so when we look, if you look over at the right side, the representation index is comparing the folks that are visiting, we're visiting over the past four weeks, um, these travel sites as compared to the overall population, you see where over indexes are 
more affluent. And so, you know, that's always a good group to have coming. And when I looked at year-over-year change, you, we also saw that um, folks that are making over 150000 were um, on the uptick. And so when you see those, um, those folks that are more affluent visiting the websites, it's a good sign. We also saw the same thing taking place in retail. And so it might mean that we're starting to see good signs of, you know, more confidence in the economy and more confidence in consumer spending where people are po- starting to poke their heads out of the shell, particularly with the travel category. You know, I think there's a lot of folks that can only – you know, myself included, not travel for so long that, you know, you're going to get that, you know, that wanderlust going back on and coming back. And so I think that we're starting to see that come back. And if we go to the next slide, what I thought yeah, was, I was also... Yeah, pre- I was going to ask you about this one because you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, cheap was kind of one of the, the top uh, travel industry terms. But I've been following this uh, very specifically for the last three years because of my interest in the drive market. And for mm-hmm. the last three years, it's been very, very consistent that between six and seven of the top ten uh, search terms in the travel category are actually mapping and navigation, which I, I think mm-hmm. is indicative of the 85% of Americans who who drive. So tell us what this chart, because, I mean, this actually looks like a segment of somebody's intestines or something because it's yeah. so consistent, <laughs> it's so consistent yeah. in how it's playing out. So tell us about this chart. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how uh, exactly consistent this chart is. Uh, yes. But what we're looking at here is, again, search term variations. And search term variation reports or search term breadth reports, as we call them at, um, in the HitWise world, is um, very telling because what it gives us is a lot of information about seasonality. And so it, what it's really telling us with the peaks and valleys here is the sheer number of different search terms being searched that are driving traffic to that category. And so that's why when you're looking at the slide, you're seeing those peaks taking place early summer because that's when a lot of people are making travel plans. You start to see it build up in May and, you know, you see it uh, start decreasing in the fall and then come back um, when people start thinking about, you know, escaping the snow uh, exactly. for President's Day weekend, <laughs> spring break. And so, you know, oh, while yeah. we see Hopefully it down Florida a little bit. Gonna, Florida is going to see some good uh, <laughs> activity here from all of these uh, snowfalls. So let's let's go on to look at the next one, which, uh, again, is this, this whole yeah. thing still about uh, deals and finding uh, value is is still uh, still important. Yes, yes. So we're seeing, so what I did here is look at search terms that are driving traffic to the agencies, and I filtered out brands um, just to give a better sense for the actual type of content that people are looking for. And what's interesting, and I highlighted this, is, you know, the love for cheap that's still going on. Um, But what's interesting, though, is just to look at those two columns. So, for example, cheap tickets, we see in terms of search clicks for the past four weeks ending February 6th, you see that 3.98% of all the clicks were for cheap tickets. And that's, you know, nearly uh, a little bit more than double um, of right. last year. And so you see, we're seeing this increase take place. Same thing with cheap flights. You're seeing this increase. And so, again, I still attribute this to kind of that 
okay, I want to take a vacation. I didn't take one last year. I want to take one now. And so we're really starting to see, um, you know, people are still looking for deals. You know, even though we're seeing that it tends to be more affluent, they're looking for a lot of deals um, in terms of, and this is always, I think, the case with airline tickets. Part of that is just that inherent um, I don't want to pay more than the person next to me kind of sentiment that has taken place ever since, what was that, a 2020 um, news story years ago where, you know, someone paid more for the seat than the other. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, no one wants to be a sucker. And so, you know, you see that um, people are looking, um, they're actively searching for this. But, you know, so we're still seeing this this deal, uh, deal deal-seeking activity or deal-seeking behavior taking place. Um, but And when we look at the next one, this is one that I've been watching pretty closely. It's um, a topic that's uh, near and dear to a lot of my clients and baggage fees. And so it's also near and dear to my heart as a <laughs> diehard traveler is that, you know, the rising cost of baggage fees are really a big concern for consumers. And so what's interesting is you see that spike taking place in 2008 and a lot of that was around um, Go Airlines. I was digging through the search data to find, you know, why on earth there was that really big spike. Yes. And so there was that large spike that took place um, a while ago. But now, the you know, when we're looking at the past two years, a couple of weeks ago, which is January 16th, uh, 2010, when all the airlines started uh, piling on more fees, we right. saw that spike take place. And so you really see a lot of concern from consumers where they're looking at, you know, what are baggage fees? When you look at the actual searches, baggage fees, airline baggage fees, Delta, Continental, JetBlue, Delta, Frontier, Air France, American. And so you can see that they are um, pretty specific in terms of, you know, who's charging these and, and what can I do? If you dig through a lot of them, you know, there's a lot of how can I avoid baggage fees? And so it's always um, very interesting to see, what else people are tagging on to these searches to see, you know, they want to avoid them. How much are they? What do I need to do? And so um, it tells us a lot about uh, consumer behavior in terms of which ones they're most interested in. So we can see that Delta was the big one, followed by Continental that week. But then also right. there's loads, loads of information about how to avoid them. Right. You know, what uh, would be really interesting is if, if you were able to also layer on that the, you know, search.twitter.com results of what people were tweeting about, and, and that would give us, a, you know, a really, really interesting dimension. So going on to yeah. the next one, because we do need to uh, to yep. wrap up. Yeah, we have a little bit of time for everybody to say hello to one another. Uh, so the next one is about uh, the actual tour and all-inclusive uh, kind of packages. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a pretty steep Grand yeah. Canyon there in the middle of, of this chart. Yeah, all-inclusive. And this is one that we talked a lot about last year, actually, is that, you know, while people are seeking value and deals um, when they're searching for travel, what we're seeing also is that the all-inclusive, and it can be cruises, it can be you know, many flavors of things, but all-inclusive is really, really popular with consumers these days, and it's because that way you pay the one price, and there's hopefully no hidden surprises. And so for travel marketers, it's a really, really good strategy um, to use to reach consumers in terms of, okay, this is what you pay. So that way you know you can budget for this, and then, you know, 
souvenirs, you know, what have you, um, other types of things that you're going to pay for. But it's really interesting to see that last year, you know, we knew it was huge. Uh, right. But the share, even more popular. And so when I'm looking at the peaks here, which is uh, um, rankings uh, to the right, you could see that there was that huge spike that took place in 2008. Um, but now, already, there's four weeks in 2010 that have been very high among the top 10. And what I did here was star um, four and 10, um, because those are coming up. We haven't hit those yet. Last year, they were huge. And right now, if we see this trend continuing, you can anticipate that if you're doing anything with all-inclusive travel, get some money into your search campaign because Very people are looking and for then, days. Right. And then the next one takes that, drills that down regionally and takes a look at some of those same terms as applied to Mexico. So I think, you know, what, you know rather than dwelling on, on, on what mm-hmm. this particular slide says, I, I think suffice it to say that those of us who are involved in travel – uh, if you haven't been uh, aware of Hitwise as as a resource, um, you know there's just an amazing amount of information. So as as we kind of wind down here, I, I would like you to touch quickly on the Super Bowl because for those of us who uh, sat <laughs> through at least the first half to you know see the commercials, we uh, most of us were uh, you know severely disappointed. And so I mm-hmm. have asked Heather what actually happened Monday morning and and uh, what has happened this week as a result of those people. Uh, who mm-hmm. advertised on the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I'm, and so, I'm on to the racy commercials slide. <laughs> yep, yep. And so uh, anyone who watches the Super Bowl, I think this is their sixth year, is pretty used to GoDaddy and their uh, technique of showing one commercial and saying, "Hey, go to our website for the uncensored extended." And what I think is really interesting is to look at, okay, so when we see, okay, which ones are the most popular websites among a custom category of advertisers for the Super Bowl? You can see NFL, naturally, that's the top one because people are looking for football content. I feel like that has less to do with their ads than the natural match. Um, But when we look at the year-over-year growth, you know, for Qualcomm, I think this is really key. You know, it's a small website, but... 407% 407% growth um, for those guys in terms of just the day-to-day change. When you compare wow. Saturday to Sunday, lots of people went to their site. And so if you're looking at the ROI behind that commercial, you got, you know, you received a very significant lift from that in terms of your brand building and brand awareness for a new product. Um, also, GoDaddy, again, you know, because they're showing uh, this, you know, they have the uncensored version, and so it's always a popular one. Uh, and then also Denny's, the lure of free breakfast, the free Grand Slam, um, attracted lots of people as well. And so, you know, something that we always look at is, you know, whether or not they're including the URL in the ad. And so it's something that, to me personally, seems like a natural addition to almost any ad. But then also Denny's, I think, is a good example. If you know Denny's probably just going to type Denny's in to either Google or uh, your browser. And so maybe not necessarily do you need that. And so it's interesting, you know, when you're doing something like Doritos, like snack strong productions, when it's not the brand name, although they all redirect to Doritos.com, clearly the URL is necessary in the ad. And so, and you know, this is something that I just think is pretty interesting to see, you know, long-term 
that's always the big question for marketers. You know, what does it do for you in the long term in terms of your brand awareness and um, consumers purchasing a product? Right. And then so what's the story behind that, the talking babies then? So talking what? babies, yep, <laughs> translates into traffic. Uh, if you look at E-Trade, you know, they were number seven amongst the 52 websites on Monday as compared to Sunday, um, but it increased the most. They had the highest jump in traffic because they have eTrade.com slash baby. And so that's someplace that you can go to view the ad. And so, you know, again, the conversion to customers, who knows? But it's very, very good for awareness uh, for eTrade and capturing attention of consumers. Um, the talking babies have been a popular water cooler topic for quite some time. And so it's pretty interesting to see, you know, in terms of the lifts in traffic, because for some of these, you know, there was a lot of talk, for example, around the focus on the family ad. Um, and so we saw that that one had a significant lift because there, there was also that call to action for, for more information, visit this website. And so not only did they have the ad, but this call to action. And so other advertisers like VW, for example, also had this call to action to play a game, but we just didn't see the same list taking place. And so that's an interesting one. Um, Dockers also had a, um, used something with uh, uh, Shazam, I believe it was, in terms of tagging music and free pants and this call to action. And so it's, um, it's something for future Super Bowl advertisers to think about in terms of what does this really mean um, for the future, you know, is it better for these low consideration types of products like Denny's? Okay, a free Grand Slam breakfast, great. Are these folks that are probably eating at Denny's anyway? Possibly. Um, will it make them eat there more? You know, yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, as well as you know, Dr Pepper. You know, the lower price point versus a car. You know, or versus do I want to invest with this company? And so I think that those are all um, some pretty interesting questions. But, you know, you definitely you see where there's a, a significant lift. And so if you're looking for folks to come to your website, it's there, you know, it's clearly can be a really good tool to do. Well, something. Heather, this has been really great. Um, I, I just want to just quickly ask if anybody has any questions. You've been really, really thorough. Um, Heather has uh, joined the Executive Girlfriends group, so if you have any uh, specific questions, you can always ping her uh, just from the platform. Um, her contact information is here, but again, uh, it's easy just to search for Heather on uh, kubeless.com, and when you click on her email, it goes directly into your email program. So does anybody have uh, a question before we turn over to our regular part of the call? This is Carolyn. I've got a question. Um, Heather, this is really powerful information, terrific stuff. Um, and I'm thinking about all the different ways uh, travel companies, travel suppliers uh, could use it. And I'm curious as to, is there anything that stands out where one of your travel suppliers, one of your clients has requested a custom study and you thought, wow, that's really smart or you know, some use of this that you've, you really thought was uh, particularly impressive? Mm hmm yeah, there's a few different ways in terms of custom analysis um, that have been pretty interesting because, um, for example, you know, looking at baggage fees, um, what we did there was create a portfolio of search terms around baggage fees, and we can also take those a couple steps further in terms of looking at the demographics around that. So, you know, for example, we know that the affluent 
um, people are more likely to be visiting travel sites, but are they really worried? Are those the people that are worried about baggage fees? Is it, you know, is it someone else? And so when you're looking at demographics around search terms, um, that can be very powerful. I have another, I have one client who has a lot of data around different airports, and we actually did a presentation at Focusrite about this, um, uh, fare compare. And so we were looking at different um, airports around the country in terms of their demand uh, and price increases and decreases. And we mapped that to DMA data, for example, to see, okay, so for the New York market, when prices go up um, year over year, is there more visitors coming from New York or less? You know, how, how, what is, what, impact does price have upon this or when new airlines enter a market so southwest um you know offering more flights in new york is uh and trying to remember what the other market was i think minneapolis may have been one um you know what does that do for um, the airline how does that change the marketplace and so we've done um some uh different uh, custom analyses looking at um, DMA level because I think that that's always an interesting one looking at the local um, or much more local targeted version um, of the data and then also you know digging into more around who actually is doing the searching um, because I think that that's always very very telling in terms of you know the cheap tickets is that someone that you know is that are you um, avoiding or are you turning off clients, uh, affluent clients with that or are customers um, with cheap or discount or, you know, who exactly is doing that? So I think there's always that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, additional level of um, just digging into more of the who, you know, who are they, who are these folks? Good, good Got stuff. It. Thank you. Got it. Anybody else? Okay. Well, again, thank you so much, Heather. It has been fascinating, and I know that uh, a lot of our folks who weren't able to make it today will be uh, downloading this from iTunes and, uh, you know, hearing about what is uh, going on. And uh, I think the insights are, are really just incredible from this. So, again, uh, if you want to get in touch with Heather, uh, just go onto the Executive Girlfriends Group site. And her email is here, and also her uh, her phone number, which I am guessing rings through to Buenos Aires. So <laughs> rings through to Skype, yes. yes. Okay, great. And um, Heather has the the Hitwise dot com URL here, but I, I learned from Bill they also have a really fascinating one called ilovedata.com. So you'll want to check that out as well. Well, Heather, you're welcome to stay for the rest of our call. Um, we uh, generally go around the table and talk about our week. Uh, if you can't stay. We uh, again want to thank you, but I am going to turn off the recording at this mm -hmm. juncture because what is said on the egg call stays on the egg call. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Thank you. Oh, Thanks. you're welcome.